0: Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, and also the author of the triple award-winning book, *Rejuvenaging: the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. I'm also a keynote and TEDx speaker, and my website is called The Mental Health Gym. I hope you've all visited it. It's your source of all kinds of information related to uh, all kinds of things wellness-wise, including rejuvenating, uh, positive psychology, my own spin on it, which I call goal-achieving psychology, and lots of other kinds of things that, again, help you to move toward a positive, goal-oriented lifestyle that hopefully will enable you to function enthusiastically. And that's really the goal of of our podcast. As listeners know, I always try to bring on guests who lead their own lives enthusiastically and have ways of helping us to become the best versions of ourselves. And in this regard, we have a rather unusual guest for us. We haven't had uh, somebody who's been dealing with climate change other than the way we all have to for a long time. Uh, So it's really great to welcome Ethan Brown, who is really an expert in this area. Ethan was never outdoorsy growing up, but after studying climate change, he felt compelled to use his years of comedy writing experience as uh, editor-in-chief of his high school and college publications to communicate environmental issues in an entertaining way. So that was the first thing that that struck me that made me really want to get Ethan on the show was to know how, how it could be entertaining when we're talking about the world going away because of climate change. Ethan launched the Sweaty Penguin podcast during the early days of COVID when we had a lot of time to be by ourselves, quarantine and so on. And since then, he's released over 100 episodes, amassed over 19,000 downloads, showcased the work of professors from 11 countries He's won six grants, became a PBS partner, and was honored at the 2022 Webby Awards. It's an award I haven't won. I'm gonna have to find out about it so I will be able to know whether I should be jealous, but uh, he's an award winner. And through the Sweaty Penguin, Ethan aims to make climate change less overwhelming, less politicized, and more fun. And hopefully he could help us to do our part to not worry too much about what it's gonna do to us and to the earth over time. I don't know if he can offer that, but we'll see. So on that note, Ethan, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, thrilled to have you with us and looking forward to our conversation.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Great. Well, it's great having you. And the first thing I thought I would ask the the name of the podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. What's that all about?
1: Yeah. So my dad actually thought of the name and he always says, I'm free to use it however I want, as long as I credit him anytime someone asks that question. So there you go right off the bat. The name really came from my desire to combine climate change with comedy. So figuring out a way to both put a climate image in your head while being a little cheeky, I think it speaks for itself in that regard.
0: Great. And uh, as you may have noticed, I'm a little older than you. And I go back to days when we used to talk about global warming. Is global warming the same thing as climate change? Because I used it once and somebody correct. I used the term global warming. Somebody corrected me and said, you know, it's climate change. I'm wondering, is it a a different, are are we referring to uh, the same animal or different ones?
1: It's similar. I would say that climate change has become more of a commonly used term as the science of climate change has become better understood. So as many of us are likely familiar with, climate change isn't a uniform uh every day is 1.5 degrees celsius hotter than it was in 1880. climate change is really hot hot days really cold cold days more hurricanes more droughts more floods more wildfires all of these different impacts that if you average them out create one point today it would be around 1.1 degrees celsius of warming and hopefully we can curb that to somewhere under 1.5 in the future. That would be the internationally agreed upon target. But so when we say global warming, I think of just how much has the planet warmed. And that's fine. That would be a fine thing to say um, in certain contexts. But I like the word climate change a little better. And I think the scientific community did as well, because it does encapsulate that it's not specifically every day getting hotter. It's a bunch of changes that put together uh, have cause for concern.
0: Why is this happening? Why is the climate changing?
1: So humans have, uh, since the Industrial Revolution, been emitting carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases, such as methane and nitrous oxide, into the atmosphere. And we've done it via fossil fuels, such as coal, oil, gas, burning these energy sources creates carbon emissions as well as uh, some of those other gases. We've also done it through land conversion. When we cut down forests, when we destroy mangroves and seagrass meadows and all these ecosystems that store carbon naturally, and by cutting them down, they release that carbon into the atmosphere. So in various different ways, we've put more and more of these greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, and these gases are chemically composed in such a way where when uh, infrared solar radiation hits it, they end up absorbing that heat rather than reflecting it back out into the atmosphere. And some of that is good. We would not survive if there were no carbon in the atmosphere. We need that blanket over the earth for it to be a habitable planet. But we're reaching a point where uh, we have too many of these gases in the atmosphere. It's too much. And now we're seeing the effects of that.
0: So aside from uh, more warmer days and an occasional hurricane that hits Philadelphia, which never had them before, and stuff like that, are what's what's the potential consequence if if things don't don't get interfered with?
1: I think it's important to first know that climate change is here right now, and we can visibly see it. Obviously, we see events every single year from uh, Hurricane Ida in the U.S., which hit Louisiana and then went all the way up the coast into New York City. Um, we've seen the heat wave in the Pacific Northwest last summer that had i had family in british columbia canada that had no air conditioning and were suddenly in a really difficult spot uh we see on the flip side the cold spells that have hit texas and how that's caused all these problems Uh, we've seen wildfires in california we've seen then if you go to other areas of the world certainly a lot of low-lying islands a lot of cities such as uh, jakarta indonesia some in bangladesh you can go all over the world we see Uh, the effects of sea level rise. So certainly climate change um, is present today. Uh, We also see it affecting our food, our water, our health, our ecosystems, uh, the list goes on. In the future, we can expect a lot of these issues to get worse. And ultimately, if we were to not find ways to cut back on our greenhouse gas emissions to get some of those greenhouse gases either out of the atmosphere or not put them in, we can see a lot of those problems compound. And certainly these problems affect our money, our health, our economies, our justice, our security, all different things.
0: So, you know, I hear all kinds of things from time to time that cities may get flooded or that that the coastlines would be altered and so on. I mean, are these real possibilities if, if things continue?
1: There are real possibilities, but we do have a lot of control in the matter. And I think that's where my uh, work, uh, certainly The Sweaty Penguin, tries to put a little more of a hopeful and optimistic, I wouldn't even say a spin, just presenting, (laughs) presenting what's true. We have a lot of control. We are the ones who are driving this change, and we can... We can't erase it. A lot of it has happened already, but we can certainly prevent it from getting much worse. So I had someone ask me a few weeks ago, uh, what are the first cities that are going to be underwater so that I can prepare for my future? And I was like, okay, well, we have seen already off the coast of India, there was a Lokachara Island that has uh, completely been submerged. Uh, The Gorama Island, I think is Um, largely submerged. But certainly, if we're talking about Miami or New York City or Boston or New Orleans or Virginia Beach, these are cities that are certainly getting hit hard by hurricanes um, and flooding. But we can adapt to that. We can try to move out of the more low-lying areas We can put up seawalls and jetties and restore coastal ecosystems, which can act as natural barriers. We have all these different options at our disposal. And then we can also do the work of mitigating climate change, stopping putting greenhouse gases into the atmosphere at the rate that we are, uh, bringing that down to uh, as low as possible. And by doing those things, we can completely prevent these cities from disappearing or from it being this... uh, apocalyptic issues. So a lot is still in our control.
0: So it sounds though like a lot of this stuff is uh, really requires government and intergovernmental, you know commitments and so on, uh, sitting here today and being concerned about people being the best versions of themselves, living their lives enthusiastically, having a positive outlook on life. What can I do? What can my listeners do on an on an individual basis and then then I'll ask you about the more large scale kinds of things?
1: yeah, absolutely. I think on the individual level, it's really important to just start from that reframing that I kind of alluded to in uh, that previous question. We're not talking about solving climate change climate change is here it's happening but we can get climate change under control and we can we certainly have a lot in our power to do that while simultaneously helping the economy helping health helping justice helping all these things we care about and i think by making that switch it certainly makes us feel a lot more empowered it gives us a little more optimism and i think from there then uh, we can look to actions we can take. So I often will talk about finding low-hanging fruit—things that are environmentally conscious actions you can take that might be easier for you to do. I don't think everyone should just completely upend their lifestyles because that's like dieting; it's just never gonna, never gonna stick. Um, I think it's important to do as much research as you can. I hope that our podcast can be a fun way for you to do that research. But ultimately, there are a lot of uh, solution ideas out there that are a little more, for instance, uh, buying an electric car is going to have, or buying an electric car immediately as opposed to continuing to drive your current car that might be gasoline, but decently fuel efficient to the end of its life. Uh, the electric car might actually lead to more of a climate impact because the amount of inputs that go into building a new car have an impact as well. So if you drive your current car to the end of its life and then you go buy an electric car, that would ultimately have a lower impact. So doing some research to learn those types of nuances, I think, is really useful Um, I think it's important to uplift other people who are doing good things. I think it's important to find ways to use your voice. And that doesn't have to be the classic activism, protests, volunteering. For me, that was starting my podcast and doing a lot of writing. So you can find what works for you. Um, And then the fifth and biggest thing that I tell people, which may be a little more controversial, but talk to someone you disagree with. And it doesn't have to be about climate change. It can be about any topic. But I find that in the United States, and I'm sure elsewhere in the world as well, we've had this uh, political polarization that has really just prevented us from being on the same page about what the problems even are, let alone how to fix them. And I think by just more communication, more talking, even if uh, you don't get along or you don't have to be friends, maybe we can at least be on the same page about what the facts are and what the problems are and then from there, we can start to discuss solutions, which would be a bit more productive.
0: Okay, that's that's really interesting and helpful, which leads to the question of, uh, I mean, are there legitimate political differences on how, how does, uh, you know, I, I would think not wanting to have... Miami or New York or anything, any other city that you may or may not like or your sports team may be playing against, you know, don't want to wish them well, wish them ill, but is there uh, some legitimate reason or basis for dialogue? Or is it just if one party says one thing, then the other is going to say another? And we're just so political, so politicized in general that this, Uh, that this is just part of it.
1: There's a big difference between the issues and the solutions. And this is where I think climate change has gotten muddied a bit. I think the facts and the politics have very much gotten intertwined with each other. The actual science of climate change is irrefutable. It's just facts. The policy for how to address it is something where we can have a very very lively debate. And I think that that should be had. I think it's helpful to hear uh, various perspectives from all sides of the aisle in terms of how to actually address that solution. And so that's why on The Sweaty Penguin, we actually separate out the problems from the solutions in every single episode in a very, very concrete way. When we talk about problems, we'll talk about how it affects the environment, the economy, health, justice. And we really Uh, try to come at it from all those angles, show how priorities might be aligned there. And then when we talk about solutions, uh, we'll talk about a wide range of solutions. Some might be what you might think of as more liberal versus more conservative, more regulatory versus more market-based, or they may not even be political. They might be an interesting technological innovation we found out about, or some rule within a company or a protected land, who knows. Um, so you can get into a lot of different things and I think that's where it gets fun to me. That's where we can really explore nuance and we always discuss the pros and cons of each solution in our episodes. We never advocate a specific solution. So I hope that what we're doing can kind of drive some of those conversations into a better place because I like the idea of people debating these solutions, but debating whether or not climate change is real or caused by humans or whether it's important is... Kind of unproductive. We have those answers at this point.
0: Yeah, well, the the podcast is really great, and uh, you know, it has kind of this light attitude to it, uh, despite the the nature of the the seriousness of the problem. Uh, kind of wondering how you manage to take it that route, and how you keep being, you know, pretty positive in the way that you present this stuff considering all, you know, all that's out there.
1: Is climate change not inherently funny? Did I miss something? (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, it's definitely a challenge. But I think uh, my years of satire writing experience kind of showed me how anything can be made funny. And I don't think it has to necessarily be, it's not like we're making light of climate change or making fun of, climate change or something, we're finding ways to add a joke into a particular issue. Sometimes there will be a funny little nugget within a story, or maybe we're just making a completely unrelated pop culture reference in the middle of a rant, and it catches you by surprise. I think in terms of what keeps me optimistic, though, like I was saying, a lot of these climate solutions are really exciting and the ipcc the intergovernmental panel on climate change released uh one of their big reports over uh, 2021 and 2022 and in the third installment of the report it was called mitigation of climate change and they actually looked at i think uh forgive me if i get the numbers wrong but i believe it was 42 different categories of climate solutions and They took these solutions. First, they looked at them on an economic scale. They looked at how much they would cost. Um, Often these solutions, for instance, implementing solar panels, right? If you just do a few right now, it actually ends up saving you money. Solar is cheaper than uh, most fossil fuel alternatives. Uh, But if you're looking at implementing way, way, way more, then you have to start spending some money to get that going. So it looked at that and it found that, I believe just from solar and wind, you could cut 2 billion tons of emissions each year uh, just by implementing those at that scale and save money while doing that. Um, Once you go beyond that, you start to spend a little bit of money. But then they looked, and this is what got me really excited. They plotted the solutions against the 17 sustainable development goals. So the UN has this set of goals Uh, where they're basically saying by 2030, we want to see zero hunger. We want to see gender equality. We want to see economic innovation. We want to see a whole list of things, all things that I think we all love and can get behind. So they plot these climate solutions against these goals. And they saw, are there trade-offs? Are there synergies? Or is it unclear? Or are there a mix? And they found that I believe only 13 of the combinations had trade-offs. All the other ones had synergies or some mix of the two. So that was really, really, I mean, I knew that inherently, but to see that on a paper and see scientists went and studied every single one of these and this is what they found, uh, how can you not be excited about that? You can solve all these world issues while also addressing climate change. And uh, so certainly we try to get into those exciting solutions on the podcast. And I think that just, that gets me excited.
0: Great, great. Um, But you did mention something fairly quickly. There's a couple of, uh, that raised a couple of questions in my mind. One is, can this be accomplished? Can we move toward more effective climate change without Destroying certain industries like the fossil fuel industry, and what do we do with the people who are working in that? So on,
1: yeah, and those are really, really important questions, and I think they go under discussed. Um, in terms of fossil fuels, certainly, um, you want to see over the next 10, 20, 30 years, we're not going to be a hundred percent solar wind. I mean, it's always going to be a mix of things, but. Uh, We'll certainly still need um, some of these technologies and it's possible we might be on that. I mean, there are certain parts of our lives like airplanes and big 18 wheelers and certain industrial practices where uh, we call them hard to get emissions because we don't fully know yet how we're going to address it. We certainly have stuff in the works, but not 100% sure. So I think in that sense, We would expect to see the industry kind of change. And it's hard to say how. Um, Obviously, that is in large part on how they want to change, how governments want them to change. But ultimately, I mean, some of these oil fields I was just reading about yesterday, actually, uh, there's a big oil field in the New York, Pennsylvania area that also contains lithium, and lithium is used for uh, batteries that can store solar or wind energy. And so you wonder about, is it possible to mine lithium from this site as opposed to mining oil and gas? And I don't know the answers to that. I haven't researched that specific spot extensively. But you can see how there are ways the industry could evolve. Also, uh, petroleum is used in way more than just uh oil and gas for energy. It's used in plastics, which is a whole other conversation. Um, But we use it in a lot of other products. So ultimately, I I could also see some of these companies uh, getting more heavily involved in solar, in wind, in nuclear, biofuels, uh, whatever areas of the energy sector they might be interested in. So there's a lot of options, and it's hard to say right now. But certainly, it is important to consider anyone who had a job that doesn't seem like it fits in a carbon-free future and consider consider what comes next?
0: Okay, well, that's that's encouraging that uh, we may be able to make some of those switches. What seems less encouraging to me is there are some pretty big countries that we're not talking to very much uh, these days that probably are contributing to to climate change, Russia, China, and so on—is there another network in which countries are working together on this, uh, even though they may not be, you know, that that closely aligned, you know, politically or otherwise? Or is whatever we're going to do not going to be as effective until some of the rest of the world's problems get resolved?
1: Yes and no. I think the I think there is some common ground on climate change globally. Every country essentially has agreed to the 1.5 degrees Celsius target. That doesn't mean they've implemented policy to achieve that far from it, but we have agreed on that much. Um we see a climate conference uh, in the UN every single year. We had one in Glasgow last year, I believe this year is in Cairo, Egypt. And so that's something that means that there is a uh, dialogue happening, but it definitely needs to come further. The words oil and gas have not ever been mentioned in any of these global treaties. And the word coal was mentioned for the first time uh, in 2021. So there's there's work to be done there in terms of how to make that happen. There are mechanisms for international accountability. We actually have a, we have multiple episodes that cover this because that's a big challenge, right? How do you get all the countries of the world to coordinate on something when there is no global governing superpower? And by the way, I don't think there should be a global governing superpower, but that does pose a challenge because the environment is a global issue and one country's actions affect every other country. So in that sense, yes, it is a challenge. There are things you can do. But what I've been feeling more like lately, especially after that IPCC report, is a lot of these countries are kind of saying, oh, well, the U.S. hasn't done anything, so we don't have to do it. Or in the U.S., we might say, oh, well, Russia and China haven't done it, so we don't have to do it. If we in the U.S. or pick any country you want, just start doing the recommended actions in the IPCC report, and by the way, they give lots of options. You can pick however you want to do it politically, but take some of these steps to mitigate carbon emissions and uh, combat climate change. Then if we do it right, we help our economy, we become healthier, we become more just, we improve our national security. certainly, you can see that playing out right now with the Russian invasion of Ukraine and how that's affected oil and gas, how it 's affected gasoline prices at home. So there's so many other benefits that if other countries see that and they say, oh, okay, well, maybe we should do this too then if this has worked out so well for them. So I guess it's a little more frustrating from a climate perspective when you say, oh, we need everyone on the same page right now. We got to get this done. But I say, why wait? Let's, let's get started. And if other people are a little behind, then it is what it is.
0: Well, on that optimistic note, I think we're getting close to running out of time. But I, I am glad that, you know, the notion of being proactive, which is one of the things that we push at the mental health gym and on the podcast just generally, uh, this is one more area that people can be proactive. And I guess I would also encourage, you know, we have about half the listeners who are in their second half century of life. Some of them are retired, some have times on time on their hands and uh, certainly uh, the opportunity to get interested, to do volunteering, to get active, to be promoting some of these ideas because we all want a better world in every way for ourselves and for those who are gonna follow us, our kids and grandchildren and so on. And, You know, it's good that there is some blueprint for optimism. Really appreciate that. So where do people get to hear the sweaty penguin? And uh, where else can they find you or find out about you?
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Ron. This was a lot of fun, and I do hope people check us out. You can find The Sweaty Penguin on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You can find us at thesweatypenguin.com. And if you want to support our show even further, which we really, really appreciate, you can go find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thesweatypenguin. Uh, There we offer merch, we offer bonus content, early access, extended cuts, Um, a whole bunch of great stuff. The other thing you can do, which we always appreciate, is send in questions for our weekly Tip of the Iceberg episode. On those, I do a little news roundup, and then I answer a question from an audience member. And so we really appreciate the chance to feature our listeners and answer any of your climate questions on the show.
0: Great, great. And how often do you uh, drop a new podcast episode?
1: So the tip of the iceberg, uh, the news ones come out on Wednesdays, and then we do the deep dives, which are on specific environmental issues with a variety of global experts. Those air on Fridays, so two episodes a week.
0: Okay, great. And I believe you are also on social media.
1: Yep, we're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Reddit. You can find us anywhere.
0: Okay. Great. Well, the the cause is important. The be the importance of being knowledgeable on this is is about as important as anything we talk about. So I really appreciate it, Ethan. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing all this information with us. Hopefully, it will kickstart our thinking and our behavior. Because you know, clearly, if if we contribute to to why climate change is occurring we should also be able to contribute to the solution. And uh, I think we can, while having heard your podcast, I know that we can get all kinds of information on how to be better versions of ourselves and maybe make this earth a better version of itself too. So again, thanks very, very much for sharing this information with us. Oh, thank you. And that brings to a close another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. We really hope and trust and assume that you have gained a lot from this episode. Hope you'll tell your friends about it. Hope you will download, listen again, rate, review, and be back next week when we have another very interesting guest to help us again lead our lives enthusiastically, become better versions of ourselves. And we uh, in line with the theme of today's show make the whole world a better place to live and uh, again hopefully you'll visit the mental health gym website and please be back next week in the meantime i keep always thinking that i'm not going to have to end an episode like this but uh Every time I turn around, there's another surge of the coronavirus. So remember, you know, take care of yourselves out there. Stay positive and stay safe. And thanks a lot for listening. See you next week.